Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as the education funding debate continues in the legislature, we'll hear from one of the youngest public education advocates. Kids should be smarter. They should be smarter. They shouldn't be just sitting there in class drawing, messing with each other. And it seems like the teachers don't care these days. They just go to work to get their money and just let the kids do whatever. Plus, tornado-ravaged William Carey University is poised for recovery. Find out how the campus is faring now and what the public can do to help. Then, after everyday tech, arts advocates across the state continue to speak out about controversial legislation to eliminate the Mississippi Arts Commission. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Democratic lawmakers say they're concerned Mississippi's Republican leadership is rushing debate about the state's education funding process. Democrats held their own hearing on the funding issue on Friday. Tasha Johnson of Wiggins attended the hearing. Her son, Caden, is a public school student there. MPB's Desiree Frazier spoke with Johnson and her son about education in Mississippi. There is a lot of need for the funds and there's a lot of great things that we can do with the funds in order for us to go forward as a state and compete with others. Um, I feel like funding is the is the main issue. Did you volunteer to have your son write a, a topic about it or how did that come about? Representative Sonia Williams Barnes asked him to come speak. What did you think about his presentation? Oh, I think he did awesome. He has a lot to say. He keeps up with politics. I think he's a little politician in the making. <laughs> I just hope he turns out to be, you know, one who is there for the people. Um, but he he has a heart for uh, making sure that everyone is treated fairly, particularly kids, because he is a kid. How old is he? He's eight. He's eight years old. He's gone to homeschool, private school, public school. Where did he have the most success? Um, he had the most success, honestly, in um, homeschool. Um, homeschool, he was able to do it at his pace. Um, everything came, you know, kind of prepackaged with the homeschool program that I purchased, and um, he was able to succeed and excel with the homeschool homeschool program uh, more so than private school and public school. Well, now we're going to speak to him. Hi, Caden. Hello. Tell me about uh, your speech today. What did you want to tell people about education? I wanted them to just get to know me and then just let them know about more funding for education and let them, like, just get a feel of it to go into it and fund education more. You, you are very descriptive. You wrote your speech, you said. Yes, ma'am. You talked about leaking roofs uh, and kids not having enough books and the need for more technology. These are things that you see in the classrooms? Yes, ma'am. Tell us a little bit about it. Because at my school, my roof is just ugly. Like, the sidewalks are all cracked. There's hardly even sidewalks to walk on. 
The tiles mostly all gone. The library is stinks bad. The PE needs air condition and new water fountains. And we don't have a bathroom close to any of our activity rooms. What school is this? Perguston Elementary School in Wiggins, Mississippi. How does that make you feel? It doesn't make me feel proud of my school. And you mentioned that. You said that kids are, they feel like adults don't care? Yes, ma'am. Talk about that a little bit. Well, those don't really care about what kids' schools look like. They just want their kids to go to school and get away from them and go do grown-up stuff. But you should care more about your kids' schools and how, because and how it looks around them affects their learning. And you talked a little bit about what you want to do. Tell us, uh, you're a very bright young man. What do you want to do with your with, when you be, when you grow up? I want to become a mechanical engineer. You mentioned inventor. Yes, ma'am. Why those areas? Why those areas? Because those are the areas I would get the money I want for and not just have to sit there and work for somebody because soon technology is going to revolve around everything. Everything won't involve a job. You also talked about competition. Kids need to be able to compete in a global marketplace. Yes, ma'am. Why is that important to you? That's important to me because kids should be smarter. They should be smarter. They shouldn't be just sitting there in class drawing, messing with each other. And it seems like the teachers don't care these days. They just go to work to get their money and just let the kids do whatever. Do you really feel that or is that something you hear adults say? I really feel that because in my classroom, the kids are just playing around, flicking pistols in the air, just having a good old time and not just sitting there learning. You've gone to private school, you've had homeschooling and public school. Which one did you like the best? That would be private school. Why? Because we just got to interact with each other and socialize more in fun ways, but we were learning. Well, thank you so much. You're so articulate and so bright. We wish you all the best. We know you're going to be a success in everything that you do. Thank you. Caden Johnson is a public school student in Wiggins. We also heard from his mother, Tasha Johnson. Representative John Moore, a Republican from Brandon, is chair of the House Education Committee. He bristles at the notion Republicans are rushing to create a new education bill. He says the education bills that exist are placeholder bills, sometimes called dummy bills. Legislators could amend the dummy bills to include new funding regulations, but those would have to come out of committee by tomorrow, just like the other bills. Chairman John Moore. Evidently, some people that really don't pay attention to the way things are done around here, that that particular bill that I introduced one and the Speaker did, and I think there's probably one on the Senate end that is done every year and has been done every year for six years. We enter, we bring all the code sections of the formula forward every year in a bill, and just in case there is a need for an amendment or something during the session, and of course if it does not move by Tuesday, it'll be dead. So there you go. And that, that's it. There isn't there is no movement whatsoever to try to formulate a bill at this at this time in light of the fact that it was so late when we when we received the information. I don't see us making the first deadline anyway. In terms of the Ed Bill report, do you anticipate having hearings about that to maybe quell some uh, of concerns you know, and I answer questions? 
we will we will the education committees or the appropriation committees, whichever ones are actually going to be dealing with it, will have thorough discussion about it. There have been multiple hearings already. There was a presentation made for the public to be uh, to be there and, and to be involved in it. And at, at this point, I, you know, the, the appropriations committee might call a hearing and they might not. That would be totally up to the chairman of appropriations to make that determination. Okay, but what? There's, re- there's really not even no use in discussing a bill that's not there. House Education Committee Chairman John Moore. Tornado-ravaged William Carey University is poised for recovery. Find out how the campus is faring now and what the public can do to help. And how arts advocates in North Mississippi are coming together against dissolving the State Arts Commission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Aaron, who's called in from Arkansas. Mary in Ocean Springs. Marlou is on the line in Jackson. Rachel is in Clarksdale. At MPB Think Radio, we are everywhere you want to go. Sardis, Henleyville, Greenwood, Jackson, Oxford, Ocean Springs, Meridian, Hattiesburg, and we're going to Memphis. So go anywhere you want. We'll be right there with you. MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Four Mississippi counties are currently under a federal disaster declaration after deadly storms struck the state just over a week ago. At William Carey University in Hattiesburg, the majority of the buildings on campus were damaged. University Provost and Executive Vice President Scott Hummel tells MPB's Ezra Wall about how the campus is recovering now. We have about uh, 50 buildings uh, uh, on our campus and uh, nearly every single one of them uh, received uh, some form of damage, many of them extensive damage. Uh, In fact, uh, we have uh, six that are likely to be total losses. Uh, We have some others that uh, we're trying to prevent from being uh, total losses, uh, but they're still in uh, that evaluation process. Obviously, for people who have lived on campus or have spent a a lot of time on campus, every building is important. But but what are the the buildings which were total losses or which were most extensively damaged? Uh, Which which buildings are are those? Are they major, major hubs of activity? Uh, Well, uh, unfortunately, yes. Uh, In fact, uh, some of those are, uh, are dorms. Uh, and so uh, that uh, is certainly going to uh, limit uh, uh, our capacity right now. Our administration building, we've had to uh, uh, to clear out. And so, of course, that has uh, created a, a lot of, uh, uh, of juggling and adjustments as we have uh, kind of relocated uh, offices. We've closed the campus. The university is open. The campus is, is closed right now, uh, although it will be opening back up. Uh, in um, uh, partial capacity and and actually pretty significant capacity for our spring trimester, which actually begins uh, uh, February 20th. I mean, it's remarkable the rate of of progress uh, on these buildings. In the spring, starting for the spring, the plan is uh, when our spring trimester begins February 20th, we'll have four of our newest dorms back online. So that's going to give us a capacity of uh, 400 for our residential students. We had about 750. Um, the the uh, the morning of the storm, but uh, we're going to have about uh, we'll be able to house about 400 uh, on campus uh, right now. And USM has been uh, wonderful in working with us on both academic space and residential space. And so uh, we have about 200 students 
uh, at USM right now. So you you said the spring trimester starts uh, in, in February, coming up soon. So when this tornado hit, uh, where where were you in terms of uh, of the academic calendar. Carrie is in somewhat of a, a unique um, academic calendar in that we are on trimesters. And so we have a fall trimester of uh, 10 weeks, and we have a winter trimester of 10 weeks, five weeks before Christmas, five weeks after Christmas, and then a spring trimester. It works out to be essentially the same length as a regular academic year. Um, but so we um, had three weeks to our winter trimester left when the uh, the, the tornado hit. As the public hears this and as they've been hearing about the damage in the Hattiesburg area and in South Mississippi, what can they do to help? First of all, I want to just uh, say I've just uh, been unbelievably impressed uh, with the outpouring from uh, the community, uh, from the other universities, not only USM, but uh, all universities in the region have been reaching out to see how they, uh, they can help uh, businesses in the area, individuals. Uh, I've lived in uh, eight different states uh, across the country, and uh, um, I would have said this before the storm, but uh, without a doubt, this is true after the storm. This is the best state to live in, uh, and a part of that is demonstrated by just the tremendous uh, generosity and outpouring uh, by other Mississippians, and so very grateful. Now, one of the frustrations is that while we would love to have uh, large numbers of volunteers uh, on our campus, we've not been able to do that. The, the damage is so extensive, and right now the entire campus is essentially one major construction zone. So really what we need to do, one of the things that can be helpful is for volunteers not to kind of show up on campus. The, the thing that actually helps us the most, most tangibly, is that uh, people can give directly to the university. They can come to uh, our website and they can give. And uh, we have uh, kind of two major uh, uh, funds that we've set up, uh, kind of a, for the Tornado Recovery Fund, but also specifically for uh, the students. Because uh, we've had uh, 105 student vehicles that were damaged beyond being able to drive off campus. And so many of these students have come to us, and you know their their gaps, you know, in their their insurance, their deductibles that they're having to pay. Many of them uh, had liability insurance. By giving to the university, we're able to kind of meet individual student needs, kind of knowing their individual uh, circumstances. Because what we don't want is we don't want a, a student having to face the decision: Can I stay in college? Or do I have to take time away and, and try to get a car and do I have to go back to school or go back to work? And so uh, supporting this uh, student recovery fund is going to allow students to stay in college. So what's the website where people can find more information about that? Uh, yes, our, our main university uh, webpage, you know, of course, www.wmcarey.edu. And then directly to our giving page, then you would forward slash advancement. But even if they just go to our main page, uh, wmcarry.edu, they'll be able to see uh, where they can uh, give to uh, our students. All right. Scott Hummel is the executive vice president and provost at William Carey University in Hattiesburg. Dr. Hummel, thank you very much for your time today and best wishes uh, for uh, speedy uh, recovery for William Carey. And thank you so much. Hear how arts advocates in North Mississippi are coming together against dissolving the State Arts Commission. That's coming up after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. 
Your days are busy. Work, school, errands, kids. It never stops. And the news never stops either. You can keep up between Morning Edition and All Things Considered with Here and Now. Hi, it's Robin Young. And Jeremy Hobson. Here and Now brings you breaking news, developing stories, the latest in the arts and innovation. Asking tough questions, unpacking complex issues. From across the country and around the world. Join us. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Wilts Couture, IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctor and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. And today we're going to talk about some scams to watch out for and how to avoid them. Good morning, Jeremy and Wilts. Good morning. Good morning. Let's first talk about who you believe is more susceptible to things like Internet scams and phone scams. I'm sorry, I have to say it. It's, it's definitely the elderly. Technology hasn't been as big of a part of their life, so they don't anticipate these types of things. And also, elderly people tend to have a little more, a little more to give away. And mm-hmm. especially down here in the South, uh, people are incredibly charitable. Well, let's talk about a few in particular that we know are problematic. So we just suffered some storm damage. And Wiltz, you said that this is the time when folks are trying to take advantage of people who may have just experienced a storm. What kind of scams may come after a storm? Well, you know, you'll start seeing the people running the neighborhoods or, you know, you'll start seeing things being blasted out there. It's like, hey, donate to this particular charity. And it may not really be a charity. It could be somebody's uh, household charity. So you really want to look into whenever you're donating funds to make sure that it's a legitimate charity. A way to check that is to actually go to the Secretary of State's website in our state, and they can actually tell you who's registered as a charity, and you can verify some of those things. Yeah, definitely. And also um, uh, be aware of anybody who wants cash up front. If you haven't learned the lesson that if you give them the money, they're probably going to run with it, uh, they're, they're probably going to run with it. Um, maybe if they ask for 25% or 50% up front to get materials and those types of things or to retain the job, that would be legitimate. But given everything up front, no, sir. Yeah, and I would even still be a little bit nervous with that unless you had some really good references. Yeah, I definitely check references. Try to see if they have any online reviews. Look up their name. Just Google people. Just try to find that person. It's, it's much easier to find people now. So let's talk about these email scams. One that I've gotten is, hey, I'm stranded in a faraway country and I need you to send me this amount of money to rescue me. So when you get something like that in the email, especially if you don't have a nephew or especially if you don't have a brother, that's a red flag as well. But Absolutely. That's probably a, a pretty common scam, right? Yeah, uh, pretty much anything like that. If they want you to go through MoneyGram or they want you to send them like a PayPal money card, be extremely skeptical. That's one of the quickest ways for scammers to take the money and run. Well, and here's the thing, too, though. Would you ask for somebody for money via email? No. Wouldn't you you actually want to talk to them, see them? I would not be opposed to, you know, helping Sharita out if she was on, like, you know, a big overseas tour or something. But I probably wouldn't just go off of the email. I probably actually want to give a ring to a number where I know where she is and say, hey, Mm -hmm. Rita, is this really you? You need it? Yeah, we got some bail money for you. Me and Jeremy are kicking. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) And uh, one more I wanted to touch on um, was when you are shopping like on eBay or some of these different things, uh, what are some ways to know that you are not being scammed when it comes to purchasing things on something like Craigslist or eBay? So uh, Craigslist is a different beast altogether. But I'd say eBay, you rely on the seller ratings. Look back at what other people have said about that seller. That's a good way to keep from getting scammed. Although sometimes a legit seller can have their account hacked and then they can try to slide off some merchandise and reroute their bank account and uh, that usually doesn't work. 
eBay or the the seller usually catches that before it happens, but it is possible for it to happen. And you mentioned like Craigslist, one of the uh, common scams that I've heard of, especially when people are selling cars or larger dollar items, is people making the request, hey, I want to buy your car. I'm going to send you this certified cashier's check for $10,000. I know you're only selling it for $8,000, but I just already had this check made out. So if you just go ahead and just send me the balance back and what they're actually sending you is an illegitimate cashier's check or a faked money order. These are like expired or bad. Mm. And now you've sent them 2000 of your good money. Think, oh, I got the check. I cashed it. You may find out from a couple of days later from your bank that no, it didn't quite go through. So it's just one of those. If you don't know the people, if you're if you can't really check them on out, you really need to think about it, especially if you're sending your money. And in that same respect, when you sell stuff on Craigslist, you're giving a lot of people your information and they can contact you based on that. Uh, hey, you've got that laptop for sale. And do the same thing that Wilt said. Oh, well, I see you're selling it for $180. Well, I'll send you 240 to send it to my niece at this address. And no, if it gets complicated, just pull the plug. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about scams on Everyday Tech, the show this coming Wednesday morning at 10. You can always send us an email before or during the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Sherita Brent. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Peter Sagal. Are you resolved to lose a few pounds this year? How about a few thousand pounds through the Public Radio Vehicle Donation Diet? Donate your old car, truck, or RV to support this station and drop a lot of unwanted weight from your garage in a matter of days. And you'll feel great because you're also supporting public radio in the biggest of ways. It's easy, fast, and you may even earn a tax write-off. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Pink Radio. Members of the arts community rallied in Oxford on Sunday in support of the Mississippi Arts Commission. The House and Senate are considering bills that would abolish the commission and transfer its authority, property, and employees to the Mississippi Development Authority. Correspondent Matt Kessler reports. Artists, arts enthusiasts, and legislators gathered at the Yaknapatafa Arts Council Sunday afternoon to discuss bills that would dissolve the Mississippi Arts Commission. Supporters of the bills claim that they'll save money and create government efficiency. Wayne Andrews, director of the Yaknapatafa Arts Council, disagrees. They have no study that backs that up. They don't even know how it'll work if they change the policy. Andrews warns that the new bills could cost Mississippi almost $800,000 in federal funding from the National Endowment for the Arts, money that's used for concerts, street festivals, civic choruses, and education programs. Right now, the Mississippi Arts Commission is the only agency that is authorized to be a state partner with the NEA. So if they go away, if there's no agency to receive that money, that means half the money that the Arts Commission gets and spends directly in communities, all the communities across our state, goes away. Republican State Senator Gray Tolleson of Oxford believes that artists are a vital part of Mississippi's community. We have per capita probably as many artists as any other state and I know that most all of our people understand that but we also need to appreciate it in state government as well. Supporters of the bills believe consolidating the agencies is a way to save the state money. But Senator Tolleson believes the Arts Commission plays a vital role in the state's economy. I think it also promotes tourism in Mississippi. So we need to continue it. It needs to stay put. Wayne Andrews agrees. If there's things that people know about Mississippi, it's our art, our writers, our musician, and our food. All things in the creative economy. So why put any of that at risk? Tuesday is the deadline for the House and Senate to debate the bills. For MPB News, I'm Matt Kessler in Oxford. 
As Matt said, legislators face a Tuesday deadline to bring the bills out of committee and send them to the full House or Senate. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, now you're talking. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio.